In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to the first episode of Raw and Order Wrestling Booking Unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that, I don't know, does something that none of the others do. My name is Officer Mark Smarks, and I'm joined by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Erwin Michael Keith Fabe. Since this is the first episode, let's introduce the format of the podcast a bit. We're going to start with what it's not. It's not a news podcast. There's already a ton of those out there. We feel that's covered. It's also not about reviewing full episode, past, present, or whatever. Once again, there's a ton of options covering that. What we want to do is bring a little humor to the wrestling podcast game. So every episode, we'll cover a handful of air quotes crimes in the wrestling world. We'll discuss them, offer up our arguments, and in the end, you will get to help convict or acquit the accused. We aim to keep it lighthearted and positive. There's already a lot negative in the world, so we want to avoid that most of the time. So to start with, I'm going to introduce myself. In my case, I'm a longtime wrestling fan. Uh, I took a break in the 2000s for the Monday Night Wars concluded. Sour grapes, I guess. Uh, Because I took the break, though, my wife married into wrestling fandom unbeknownst to her. So most wrestling nights feature her rolling her eyes and making snide remarks about the show. But, you know, she watches Basketball Wife. So, yeah, there's that. I grew up as a big fan of the Icon Sting, although now my list of favorite wrestlers is as long as my arm, or maybe longer. But as for my partner in crime fighting, I'll let him tell you. Well, as district attorney, I am K. Fabe. Get it right. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a wrestling fan since 1993. That's right, Bret Hart was the champion, Yokozuna beat him and Hulk Hogan cheated him that's when I was a wrestling fan and I kept it the whole way through there's been some dead times in between I was once married to a woman who hated wrestling so at least yours tolerates it right officer smarts um let's roll that's all I got to say let's get this court in session our first crime the accused is myself. The crime Ooh. is falling asleep at the wheel. And uh, this is something that occurred to me over the last couple of weeks. I uh, realized, uh, was it two weeks ago, when Sasha Banks made her return uh, and attacked Natalia, that I wasn't even paying attention to what was going on on screen until I heard Sasha Banks' music hit. Uh Natalia just bores the ever-loving crap out of me. <laughs> and and I uh, was just sitting there, and she was out there, and apparently she was talking about her dead dad, and that's when Sasha Banks came out and interrupted her and then attacked her. And I missed that entire part of the storyline until the next day I'm listening to podcast recaps or whatever, and they're talking about how horrible it was that Sasha Banks interrupted her talking about her dead dad. And uh, uh, so so I, I stand accused of falling asleep at the wheel. 
Um, and and to that, I have no choice but to plead guilty. Um, I realize I have a blind spot towards Natalia, but like I said, she's so boring. <laughs> she, um, she, well, if there's an automatic plea, I don't know that there's much to uh, convict you of other than you're still better than the DA who misses half of every episode. So. True, but I don't know. I mean, I, maybe I missed half of that episode because that's that's the the part that I caught myself on. But I'm sure there were other parts in that episode that I just kind of zoned out. Uh, I mean, you know, unfortunately, we've just kind of gotten used to uh, Raw and SmackDown being less than great a lot recently, and so it's really easy to, you know pick up your phone and start surfing Facebook or making snide remarks on Twitter. I think uh, you've made a second indictment there though, of those being less than great lately. And I'd have to go ahead and say, you're wrong about that. Heyman's taken over. Okay. And we've I had sh- some really entertaining television. I, you falling asleep at the wheel is on you, not on raw. I, I'm, I'm going to, to uh, preface it by saying lately as in, over the last six months to a year, the ones recently, I, I agree, have gotten better. But we had about a year of crap, you know, uh, and and it's getting better now. But I got so used to in that year of, you know, you just kind of play along, you know, have it playing. And when you hear someone's music that you like, you perk up a bit. And then when you hear Natalia's music, you know, Pick up your phone. Um, so and like you're defending your crime that you've pled guilty to. I'm I'm just saying in my defense based on based on society, based on, on Vince. I I am saying it's um it's uh, justifiable homicide maybe <laughs> uh, that that over the years i've just yeah you know, and and i'm not trying to say that wrestling has been boring overall there have been some absolute banger matches there are some really phenomenal wrestlers out there uh you and i have talked before that that wwe has top to bottom you know probably the Strong most roster. talented roster in the world and that's not that's not trying to knock on anyone else in the field. That's not knocking on AEW. Or maybe New Japan. Yeah, it's not even knocking on New yeah. Japan. It's just I'm just you know if you look top to bottom. Uh, well, in in New Japan, I I would I would disagree because when New Japan, um, when New Japan had the Bullet Club. They had the strongest roster. Unfortunately, um, the Bullet Cub or the Elite or whatever they want to call themselves now kind of made their own wrestling promotion. And we'll probably talk about that more in coming weeks. But um, <laughs> well, that and that's may what, have been what hurt them over that couple of years. It, it it definitely was. They they tied their horse to that wagon and and then that wagon rode away and took the horse with it. Um, <laughs> And, that, but that way, that that wagon has not completely developed in its new new company. It, there, I'm excited for the wars, but um, you're going to be awake at the wheel now with the podcast. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be taking my Vibran 
Do people <laughs> still take Vibrant? No dose? Vi- Vibrant. Sorry, I was I, I when you said Vibrant, I thought of Blue Chew. <laughs> We're not sponsored <laughs> yet by Blue Chew, so hold out. <laughs> I'm just saying it could be a lie. Which, which you won't have to do once you have Blue Chew. I mean, oh, geez. <laughs> Gone down a rabbit hole. Um, uh, so, so, I mean, the grand scheme of things, I, I still think, even during the time, New Japan, uh, while it's a great roster and and arguably might still have the single most talented wrestler in the world in Kazuchika Okada in it. And it's got phenomenal wrestlers. I don't want to dog on any of them, but I think just from top to bottom uh, overall, WWE probably has the the strongest roster of them all. Um, and, and some of it's just money. They could throw so much money at it that they could uh, hire a Keith Lee and just stick him in NXT you know, uh, yeah. hire a, a Trevor Lee, or he's, as he's known now, Cameron Grimes, or uh, Donovan or EC3, and just kind of stick him down and in. Make him, make him a mute billionaire? I don't even understand yeah. what that's about. We'll get Donovan Grimes against WWE for EC3 at, at some point in the future, because that's that might be a whole episode sort of a thing. <laughs> By itself, yeah. But. Well, and, so here's, here's I, I, I do have a little bit of cross-examination. Because when Natalia's in the ring, you know that there's the expectation that there's going to be another female wrestler. Um, not necessarily did you know it would be Sasha, obviously. But there was no anticipation. Of, and it could have just, I mean, part of it could be that, you know, it was the anniversary of her dad's death and they performed in, in Canada and all of that. Um. So maybe you did think it was just going to be a Natalia just talking about Jim the Anvil Nightheart, one of the greatest mid-card support characters of all time. Um, not mid-card. Tag team support characters of all time. Um, but realistically, did you see yourself in a position um, where you didn't expect to see another female? I mean, because here's the deal. We haven't seen a whole lot of bad performers alongside Natalia. We haven't seen a Dana Brooke come out with Natalia. Um, I, th- I think there's some of it that I might not have expected another person. I said, I think, I think you're probably right. I, I didn't necessarily expect another person to come out. However, along the same lines, I, you know, I just kind of looked back and even when she came out for a match against somebody, I just kind of tune out, and she's just she's just You're telling bored. me if there's a match between, uh, and I don't want to be obvious, the man and, and and Natalia, which had happened the night before, um, but more importantly, if there's a match between anybody but Dana Brooke or or um, oh, what's her name that's been with the company forever, um, she's like thirty one. 41. Alicia uh, Fox. Yes. Barring barring a character like that coming out with Natalia, isn't there a little bit of anticipation considering she just had a match with the man the night before? I, I don't know because I look back at even the match against the man the night before. I was bored. I just like and and this is I I want to be really clear here. I don't think Natalia is a bad wrestler. I think she's a boring character. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I mean, the the kitten ears and everything, it, it's just old. It's uh, it's old. It doesn't make any sense. She comes out dressed like an S&M gimp. Um, <laughs> but that's not part of her character. Uh, she she just comes out and, and she seems to just be cannon fodder whenever they've got someone that they want to put over. They throw Natalia out there. She acts angry for a while. They beat her up eventually, and then and then they get over, you know, I guess. And and she's she's better in the ring than that. So um, does she need a character overhaul? I I think potentially she does need a character overhaul. Or is she I think, incapable of a character overhaul? That's that's where I'm not sure. Now I'll also say, uh, in in relationship. And this is not directly her character and everything, but you and I have talked about it before. I cannot stand the way she does the sharpshooter. <laughs> I know she's from the Hart family, and so that gives her the right to do it. But if you look at the way Bret Hart always did the sharpshooter, if you look at the way Sting did the Scorpion Deathlock, they always put the one leg that's going to be pointed out in the end over the other one so that that's the one they hook and it holds their legs and she does it inversely. And then that means she's got to hook her arm around both of the legs and then they're not crossed anymore. So I mean, telling me that when the rock stole that as his closing move, he, he performed better than a heart family member. I'm going to have to go back and look, but I, because I, I can't remember if he did the right leg placement or not. Okay. Um, well, no, supposedly, think... Bret Hart chose and named it the sharpshooter because the way that he does it, when he gets it in and locked in, the legs form a cross like the crosshairs on a, a sniper scope, hence the name sharpshooter. That's at least the rumor, I guess. It, only um, was, it also was only reversed twice against Bret Hart, which is an interesting little fact. But the way Natalia does it, the legs are hardly crossed at all. And then they always have her doing a double sharpshooter where she's got two people, and, and that just looks horrible. Yeah, and nobody so, should ever do that. Nobody should ever. But, but in the end, stupid. yeah. But in the end, I'm going to just flat out say this isn't an indictment on Natalia uh, for being a boring character. The crime is on me, and that's the important thing here. Well, yeah. I am, yeah. You know that, and we can talk forever about what she could do. But in reality, I just need to, you know, and this was my wake-up call, pun intended, uh, to, to uh, you know, sit up. And, and the last, this last week, you know, I made a conscious effort to, to pay more attention. And then Natalia came out, and I felt my eyes getting heavy, but I, I, I worked hard. I worked hard to keep them open. So one, one I guess, one final question regarding this. Um. Does this mean that you're pleading no contest or guilty? Because a no contest plea, you know, you could be sort of allowing, leaving that open air for when I'm bored, I don't pay attention. Um, I am going to say uh, not guilty by reason of insanity. <laughs> that that uh, she just wow. makes me crazy. He doesn't even take. He doesn't even take a no con. He starts with guilty and moves it to not guilty by insanity. Um, all right, fair enough. Fair a good enough. lawyer. 
Who's my I'm, lawyer? I'm hoping, I'm hoping some, I'm the DA. I'm, I'm prosecuting you, pal. Uh, you're, um, we'll see yeah. what the fans say. They'll, we'll see if they say you're guilty. Um, if you're not guilty by insanity or if, uh, if uh, no contest plea would have been a smarter move for you. We will find out. Now let's move on. What's your first crime? My first crime is um, a, a current one. I'm going to do a past one later, but uh, my first, a cold case later. Um, my first crime is uh, the Miz is not a good face. The Miz uh, is guilty of, of pretending of uh, fraud for being a face. Ooh, okay, okay. Do tell. Lay out your well, lay out your case. Here's the deal. Um, the Miz is a is a likable heel. Um, by that I mean, as a whole, and, and it's not likable heel Stone Cold style. It's likable heel as in I like that you're a heel. Um, triple, very Triple H ish. Um, numerous interviews, numerous interviews have said the Miz is that character. That's literally who he is in real life. He's kind of a pompous, um, annoying, highly driven person. And the highly driven makes him so, so entertaining. So incredibly entertaining. Um, The pompous and annoying and uh, I'm the Miz and I'm awesome makes him a perfect heel if that's legitimately who he is in real life um yeah be who you are man um very very few people pull off a gimmick that is not them well um even with the exception of the undertaker um i can't name a whole lot of of big names that went through their actual person um, that didn't do it a little bit better than they did whatever their character was. Um, now, they, guys like The Rock obviously went bigger than who he actually is. Um, Stone, Stone Cold obviously went bigger than who he is. Even CM Punk went bigger than, well, maybe, I think CM Punk might legitimately, you know, be that guy um, who just likes to throw pipe bombs at things. Um, but the undertaker being the only person that I can think of that became biker undertaker or, or American badass. Um, when the undertaker became that, that's the only person I can think of that poorly did who he actually is because he did so well, the kayfabe version of undertaker. Um, the Miz is doing a kayfabe face that just doesn't make sense. It worked for a short while against Shane, but he could have still been a heel against heel Shane. As you and I have discussed this several times, where heels don't have to get along with heels. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think especially heels. You know, faces kind of have to at least be nice to faces. They can have matches with each other, but heels don't have to get along with heels. And. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, kind of liked seeing the Miz cheat. You know, I loved when the Miz beat Roman Reigns as a sort of face, but with heel behaviors um, for the Intercontinental Title um, at Raw. What was it? Raw what was that? Twenty five years? Raw one thousand or Raw two thousand or whatever yeah, it was. 
I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, my cross-examination on this, even though I'm an arresting officer, don't think too hard about it, folks. Um, (laughs) They're uh, They're just names. Yeah. My cross-examination on this is, do you think he is bad at being a face or is he just booked poorly being a face? Because I would argue, like you say, he had he a good run, a run a while back Shane. that was pretty good as a face. And he was good as a face against Shane and all this. But the problem is they never we've talked before about it to this date. Shane still hasn't really gotten his comeuppance like he got his, beat by KO at at SummerSlam. And then, like, you know, the next day he's still heel. Shane and he's still doing I mean he wasn't on TV this week or last week I guess I think he showed up this week for a brief thing but KO wasn't there but that's the deal is like Miz faced off against Shane that storyline really never ended Shane then moved on to feuding with KO and babyface Miz is just kind of left here hanging and they put all this time into making him a babyface and now he doesn't really have anyone to fight against directly. And I would argue that that hampered his ability to be a face more than his ability to be a face hampered it. Because um, I saw a lot of potential. Now, don't get me wrong. I think I agree he is better as a heel. I think at best as a face, he needs to be a tweener. He needs to be a cheating tweener. Um. Rick Flair as a face aspect. Um, you know, and, and you know, that's why he does the figure four. Um was, you know, a, an homage to Rick Flair at one point. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, and that was a face turn, but face. Which uh, which total sidetrack here for a moment. We'll get into this more in a future episode, but I'm a firm believer that baby faces should not use the figure four. Just shouldn't. Ooh, if you're a baby I'm face, I'm interested in that episode. If you're a baby face and the figure four was your finisher, while you're a baby face, you shouldn't use it. Um, and and like I said, we'll go into it more, but it really comes down to simply this. Uh, Ric Flair has talked about it before. The reason he liked the figure four was as a heel. It was one of the few submission maneuvers that forced the referee to check the opponent's shoulders to make sure they weren't down because it could also be a pinfall, which then allowed him to reach back and grab the ropes to cheat. So the whole storyline element of the figure four was that it allowed cheating. That's the reason it was so not devastating was not because it was devastating by itself, but because it opened up the, the option of cheating more. Whereas look at also contest that it's one of the few um, submission maneuvers that you can look your opponent in the eye, but look Um, at almost all the other major submission maneuvers. Um, You know, face aspect to it. There's no face-to-face. Uh, the sharpshooter, the person's on their chest, so it's never going to be a pinfall. And yeah, there are, there are storyline ways you can reach out and grab the ropes to give you leverage, but they don't look like they actually give you leverage. Uh, Cross-face, <laughs> STFs, things like that. Yeah, there's don't. no face-to-face, and they're all on their stomach. Even, all on their stomach. even things like the Dragon Sleeper, you know, there's no face-to-face, <laughs> and they're on their stomach. 
Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty cool. I would love to do an episode on that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that more, but that just is my yeah, right firm now belief. We're talking about is, is guilty of being a crappy face. Uh I would argue extenuating circumstances. Um he is better at being a heel. There's no doubt about that. However, to use your reference to Ric Flair, what made Ric Flair the best heel in the business was his ability to occasionally be a face for a short period of time. Um, <laughs> and make Sting look like the dumbest man alive. And make Sting look like the most gullible man in the world, <laughs> uh, which he apparently is because he always, always fell for it. Not just with Ric Flair, but with Luger. And with Luger wasn't a heel turn. Luger, Luger had heel turn. turns. There, there was a whole storyline in '95 uh, when Nitro first started that was hinting at a Luger heel turn. Uh, what they didn't realize or didn't expect when doing it was that uh, as a tag team they would get to be so popular that they decide they wanted to keep them together and give them the belts. Uh, but there was this whole storyline where they'd be coming to the ring and whenever Sting was looking at Luger, he'd be like high-fiving the crowd and all happy and all of this stuff. And as soon as, as Sting looked away, his, his whole demeanor would change and he'd start like threatening the crowd. Like, I'm well, he, never you. Turned on, he never turned on his partner. So but he, he never just, did. He was just a but jerk. Only because they went back on the storyline. They gave up on it, but that's my argument to that. My argument is that he is uh, not guilty by extenuating circumstances. That's my argument. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I mean, well, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because you're not the jury. No, uh, indeed, we are not. (laughs) That's my argument. I'm the fuzz. So, so at at the end of this episode. The jury will deliberate and they will tweet at us their WBU guilty or WBU not guilty hashtags. But the the characters, so guilty or not guilty, Officer Smarks? Uh, yeah, or guilty or not guilty. I mean, there's enough, there's enough characters in a tweet they can go into their reasoning to on it. Yeah. It's yeah. up to them. Okay, um, we're going to move on to crime number three. Now, yours is a little bit more real here, from what I understand. You haven't told me this one. I don't know what's coming at me here. Uh, yeah. Or was that the this, other one that you had? Well, the, they're both a little bit. But this one here, this one hits, it's a little close to home for me. Because... Uh, should we hold off to till the end for that? Because you know what my other one is. Um, uh, brother. <laughs> you know, I think... I think uh, that one will play fairly closely into this one. So let's go ahead and do this one first. Okay, and then go for it. You're up. This one, crime number three, the accused is the entire wrestling fan community, including us, for taking things way too serious. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go guilty because I know the next one. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately... The fact that we're doing a podcast where we're pretending to be a cop and a district attorney uh, prosecuting wrestling crimes means that we are definitely guilty of this. Absolutely. But this, 
this definitely comes from and and everyone out there right now has has already seen it everyone who's into wrestling probably falls on one side or the other of this uh jim Cornette is the most famous uh example of this but he goes on a rail about orange cassidy or joey ryan or intergender wrestling or or whatever but how it doesn't belong in professional wrestling that this is a sport and and we need to take it seriously and and like intergender wrestling destroys the illusion because there's no way tessa blanchard should be able to beat brian cage in a match um and i'm like okay dude Tessa Blanchard could kick most people's butts. And let's even open it up to Ronda Rousey. Do you really think put Ronda Rousey in a legit fight with Brian Cage? I don't care how tough Brian Cage is. Ronda Rousey comes out of there with a win, right? In real life. Okay, but here's the deal. I mean, CM Punk, who's actually been an MMA star and is bad at MMA, probably could take Ronda, right? Not not with the anaconda vice. She's not going to allow that. But yeah, I I don't know. But my my argument it, it still comes down to this: the fact that we can even debate back and forth on whether or not CM Punk could beat Ronda Rousey or not is a perfect example of how taking things too serious. Well, taking things too seriously, and how uh, the concept of a man fighting a woman does not break storyline does not break reality because the concept of a lazy guy who's too who's um too lazy to fight to fight with seriousness and still kicks butt because he wants to win i mean this is this is half of wrestling fans we want to win we want to be right we predict shows because of that this is half of society right (laughs) you've seen me at work (laughs) <laughs> right do do i put forward 100 percent effort 100 percent of the time no no none of us do no none of us do no um especially when we were working together slinging cars there were definitely times that i just called it in for the day speaking I'm of just... slinging cars our sponsor today Tom Dinsdale Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Hastings, Nebraska. Oh yeah, you gotta thank them. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Tom Dinsdale, because I worked there. But because <laughs> they they paid for you to have the time to uh, come home at the end of the day and still record this. Yeah, absolutely. For one, <laughs> so that's that's my argument. Like like you was mentioning Orange Cassidy, perfect example. Anyone who's watched a full Orange Cassidy match knows that his whole gimmick is he starts off and he's doing the absolute minimal effort. And and most of the time, uh, the wrestler on the other side just kind of shrugs and looks confused because he's like, they're like, why are, why is this guy hardly kicking me? And then they do something, whether it's breaking his glasses or pulling his hands out of his pockets or, or giving just him- a just a lariat that he can kip up with his hands in his pocket. I mean, there's pure, yeah. there's obvious pure athleticism in that character. But but like I say, they do something, and then eventually it clicks on him, and then he goes, and the dude can go. The dude can throw down with the best of them right now. I mean, I don't know if. Uh, he's been around long enough to to say he's main event material uh, yet, 
in in AEW, there's so much talent right now. But at the same point, he's definitely got a place and he doesn't break immersion, right? It's a fun gimmick and and the people who who rail against it are just taking things way too serious. I mean, Jim Cornette said, perfect example. You can't do a one-wing angel to somebody who keeps their hand in their pockets. Uh, true, you can't. But guess what? <laughs> you can't do a one-winged angel to anyone who's not willing. Right? <laughs> There's a reason you never see a one-winged angel in MMA. Right? And that's exactly my point. There's hardly a move in wrestling that... That you can do one- to somebody who's not willing. Exactly. I mean, even the sharpshooter... Um, you know, and figure four, you know, they're really tough. There's an entire, there's a YouTube channel that, uh, MMA fighter, uh, a former professional MMA fighter. I can't remember his name right now. If you just search for MMA fighter tries WWE finishers, there's this whole channel and they do these where they take a finisher, uh, whether it's a submission move or whatever, and they they put it on and they show how, for the most part, most of them don't really hurt. And then he shows a variation of it that does really hurt. But that's kind of my point. This We're talking about uh, theater of the absurd is what professional wrestling example is. Obviously, the Kimura lock, which is, is a legitimate hold in <laughs> MMA, very difficult to get somebody into. Um, two people have used it readily in professional wrestling one being uh daniel whatever his name to put uh 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 angle into it um if he if he doesn't have a kayfabe set up there angle doesn't even let him get to the commercial lock <laughs> you know um and and whether or not triple h's arm was broken and healed in three weeks or not um when brock put it on yeah Love that. He well, I mean, broke just, Triple H's arm twice. Yeah, he healed really fast both times. Look, um, all of every every finisher move in professional wrestling. I don't care if you're CM Punk, the GTS, right? If you're really in a fight, if someone can let you pick them up on their shoulder, on your shoulders, throw them up in the air, and then knee them in the face, no, 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 uh, a power bomb. You know, power nobody's bomb. gonna, nobody's gonna stand there bent over. Yeah, pop up power bomb. Throw them against the ropes. They come back, and you somehow or another, with minimal effort, throw them up into the air, and then power bomb them. Right? For that matter throwing them against the ropes. <laughs> against the ropes, right? I, guess what? I mean, the simple fact. I've tried it. It's not very hard to just stop running. <laughs> really, in fact, it's actually the instinct. Someone throws you in a direction. You take two or three steps, and then you stop. Right. But that's why are you doing that? Yeah. But that's my point is this whole thing is theater of the absurd. It's about entertaining. It's about doing something that's fun. And here's the deal. I'm not saying that everyone has to love Orange Cassidy or Joey Ryan or uh, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy or Repo Man. Right. But here's the other side of it. If you like Repo Man or Joey Ryan or or intergender matches or whatever. Right. Dude, that's great. More power yeah. to you. You're a great guy. Thumbs up. I'm doing two of them. I'm doing two well, Orange Cassidy thumbs up, actually. And, uh, and we frequently go to this. And, uh, Tom Cruise didn't really jump off of towers in Dubai. You know, he's also never flown an F-16. <laughs> um, that's my point. If this... it's, 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 it's entertainment. 
and Vince was very wise in admitting that it was entertainment. Um, you know, Vince, Vince in several interviews has said that, that Turner called him and said, I'm in the wrestling business now, Vince. And Vince said, that's great. I'm in the entertainment business. Well, it even goes back way even farther than that. It goes back to the, uh, the boxing commission. Uh, back in, I can't even remember the years it was. It was relatively early Vince McMahon, WWWF time. Uh, uh, well, it was right when Junior Vince took out. over, Junior took over. But it was one of the things is the Boxing Commission in New York didn't want to sanction the matches. And he went to court and in court, he actually, in the deposition, it's on paper, uh, he scripted, specifically yeah. said, this is scripted. And the reason he did that was so that they could get out of needing the boxing commission. So, the, so they could then perform without having to have the boxing commission sanction the match. And then well, and we saw how much UFC got held up by the boxing commission. I yeah. mean, how many years did they were they only able to perform in Nevada, you know, yeah. or out of country? And that's the deal. It's, and so he, it's actually in legal documents going back forty years that wrestling is entertainment. It's it's a soap opera, testosterone charged soap opera, or as I like to always call it, a real life cartoon. Right? It's like yeah. if Looney Tunes were human people. Uh, they're doing stuff that would normally kill people. I mean, we watched uh, Jeff Hardy jump off of a 50-foot scaffold and land on someone through tables. Something that if someone did that in real world and those weren't specially set up tables uh, and a specially choreographed spot, it would kill someone. Yeah. But that's what we watch. And no, yeah. no I mean, one comes out of that two, going. Two tables are there to slow the fall. Not yeah. one table. Yeah. <laughs> no one comes out and saying, Oh, I hated that table match. It just broke my my reality. It took me out of it. They go, Oh my goodness, did you see what Jeff Hardy did? But that's my point is here's the news. This is all thrown off the thrown through the hell in a cell. Yeah. Through the hell in a cell, and then bam, oh my god, he's dead. Right? In reality, he probably should have been. Right. If this was a real fight, if that was a UFC ring that somehow or another he was thrown 20 foot down onto, he'd be hurting hard. Well, right. I mean, there's no doubt he was hurting hard in real life. But that's my point. This is entertainment. This is all about entertaining people. And and we all need to, myself included, take a step back and realize this is entertainment. This is theater obscura. This is all about having fun. And and you don't have to like every match. Going back to my first crime, I don't have to like Natalia, right? But there are people out there who do like Natalia. Well, in our example... There's a load of people who like Daniel Bryan, and you can omit this if you want, but uh... (laughs) I've always said this. He is a phenomenal wrestler. His skill in the ring cannot be denied. He's decent on a mic. I just don't know what it is about him. He just doesn't click. doesn't appeal to me. Just doesn't click. But here's the deal. If you like Daniel Bryan... Great, I'm giving you two Orange Cassidy thumbs up too. You're awesome. Continue to like Daniel Bryan. You like Roman Reigns? Great. 
you know, Roman Reigns gets a bad rap. A lot of the hardcore wrestling fans rail against Roman Reigns. You go to a WWE event, he his music hits, the entire arena erupts. Oh, right? Absolutely. It just pops. And, and, and there's not enough kids in there to say it's all kids. And so, but the, the thing is, if you like Roman Reigns, great. You're doing great. Enjoy Roman Reigns. Go buy the t-shirt. I don't have to like him. I Just like you don't have to like Baron Corbin, right? We'll get into Baron Corbin in a future episode too, That's folks. We will. Baron Corbin. Shut okay. up. <laughs> okay, so so on that final one, I'm gonna take things go. a little too serious one more time, <laughs> brother. Brother, the first the third man for NWO was Kevin Nash. The first man for NWO was Hulk Hogan, sent as an early spy by their group of NWO. 14 or 13 months before uh, the rest of his team came in. Consider him CIA or or Navy SEALs in a battle situation. He went in first, figured out the, the situation, and then brought in the big guns. That's the crime is that Hulk Hogan is actually the first member of the NWO. Kayfabe, obviously. So, so the argument is Hulk Hogan is a spy. A Hulk Hogan is his crime is espionage. Okay, um, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, you you do bring up some good points, but at the same point, you have to kind of want. I mean, was the plan always for him to be part of the NWO? I think. Uh, well, those of us who've listened to enough who've listened to enough podcasts would know that the answer to that is no. No. But that's, that's what not I, kayfabe. Kayfabe-wise, why not hide the fact that there was not always a plan to be an NWO? I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I can't really make an argument otherwise on that. Except for uh, the reality of what we know from the reality of it and that we're taking things way too seriously return yeah. to previous crime that's that is an interesting one we're gonna have to leave that one out to the jury on what yeah. they think yeah because there's not a lot to debate there yes there really everybody is. knows he was there 13 months 13 months beforehand yep, he yes, was there everybody knows eventually he showed up as the third man yeah but your argument and not Mabel, who probably should have been. Yeah, of course it should <laughs> Mabel or Lex Luger or or I I still can I still contend that um, if you uh, prescribe to the infinite universes theories uh, where where there's a, a alternate universe for every decision made in in the world. Uh, I contend that there is an alternate reality where Sting was the third man, and I really want to visit that just to see how it turned out. Oh, not to mention, how cool would it be to see Crow Hogan? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it would have had one advantage. He would have gone for 13 months without talking. (laughs) Oh, brother, we don't know if we can handle that. 
Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Was it 13 months that Sting was up? Uh, I don't know if it was quite 13 months. It might have been 11 months. He, if it was 13, that's really interesting considering Hogan was there for 13 months before Scott Hall showed up. I'm going to have to fact check that, or guess what? The jury can fact check us on that. I am sure if we made a mistake, we will hear about it. Definitely. Oh, we absolutely will. And I'm I'm way more willing to throw out incorrect statistics than other people are. Well, you know, I read somewhere that like 72% of all statistics are fake anyways. Yeah, made up on the spot. Yep. Yeah. So legit statistics. Legit, 100%. I did not just make that one up on the spot. No. Okay, and so that's the end of our, our planned crimes, although I did have one more that I wanted to throw in. It's topical. I just wanted to throw a quick charge out against All Out for being surprisingly good, and that's not because I didn't expect it to be good. It's It was good because it was surprising, if that makes any sense. Um, the, the show was great. I was horrible on my predictions. I think I only got like three right out of the entire night. Um, you get dominated. But that being said, that's part of what made it so good. Like, I totally did not see Nyla Rose winning the Battle Royal, right? I thought it was definitely going to be Britt Baker. I thought they're going to throw their entire weight behind Britt Baker. She's yeah, going to be the face of their women's division. I'm really glad that they have the Allie versus Brandy feud going on right now because I would not have picked Nyla Rose if Allie was open for yeah. the, the first shot. And, and, that's, and that was the deal. It's, it's like when you go down the list of the people in there, there were, there were probably, I don't know, only three or four that legitimately I thought had a chance of winning. And then, of course, there were the surprise entries and so on and so forth, which were all all fun. There weren't quite as many huge surprise entries in that, but there still were some great ones like uh, ODB, uh, uh, the big uh, number 21 wildcard one was Mercedes Martinez, which I know you haven't seen her before, but she appeared in May Young Classics. She's apparently really big in the local wrestling scene around Chicago. She was in it. Huge deal. Tenille Dashwood showed up. Oh, yeah, that was a huge deal. And here's hoping that they can work out a deal for her to continue to show up because you and I both agree she was vastly underused in WWE. Emelina. <laughs> totally misused. And she's gone off and done Ring of Honor and, and all of that. And she's been good in those. But the problem is, like, I don't have an easy way to watch Ring of Honor on the regular, right? I don't have an easy way to watch Impact on the regular. The, you know, I... It's just hard to find, right? And uh, and paying for their streaming service is silly. Yeah. Where, where you can pay for WWE and get three different companies worth. And yeah. really four if you count WWE. Yeah, for 40 some well, years of back catalog that you can get to. So, so yeah, I didn't see that. Right. Um, I predicted Private Party uh, winning over uh, Jack Evans and Angelico. And Helico as they call him, um, mostly because I thought they're setting private party up to be kind of the big new faces. And then that was thing. But I, I didn't see SCU winning. I really thought they were going to do a boy, a boy and their dinosaur, which is a way better name than Jurassic Express. But that's beside the point. Um, I didn't see Pac winning. I saw Kenny Omega winning. Um, and But that's you and I have talked about. It. It's it's so refreshing to see 
this huge star, arguably one of the best workers in the world, and he now has a losing record on the promotion that he helped start. You know? Yeah. That's and and it's a great uh, story. Props to, as a whole, the elite for their records, with the exception of Matt and Nick Jackson, who I'm going to go on a Jim Cornette-esque rant. Uh, You know, they're pop monkeys. Um, For the most part, I agree with you there. But once again, like I think, I think that's one that I predicted. I predicted Lucha Brothers to win that, mostly yeah, because I think, I think they're going to take the AAA titles back to Mexico. They're going to eventually lose to someone down there, so they can come to AEW uh, fresh during the tapings in October and start competing for the the AEW championship. Yeah, um, neither of us you know, yeah, I, I thought Jimmy Havoc could carry himself. Yeah, neither of us predict, predicted him to win. We both, I think, we both thought Darby Allen was going to win. Although well, we, I thought, I thought you said Janela, but it doesn't really matter. Jimmy Havoc won. Yeah, I think I, I think I officially predicted Janela just because his whole gimmick of I've worked eleven years to get this contract sort of thing. But, but neither yeah, now he's going to. We we thought he was good. We thought he was there to take the pin to do some crazy ass spots with a with a staple gun, which he did, uh, and then and then take a pin so the other people looked good. But it was surprising, uh, and the match was absolutely crazy, and the coffin drop through the cracker barrel uh, was nuts. Um, both of us predicted, I think, Dark Order. Cracker Barrel sponsored the worst match ever, like the most violent match ever. Yeah. I, I so can't... You go to Cracker Barrel and you get some mac and cheese. Yeah. Just remember, Darby Allen almost died for that mac and cheese. <laughs> I, I can't help but think that the only reason they sponsored it is that uh, AEW came to them and said, hey, uh, Darby Allen wants to do a coffin drop through a barrel. Can you sponsor this? Because who's that, Darby Allen? What's a coffin drop? Uh, right. don't worry. Um, I think both of us picked Dark Order over Best Friends. Nope, I picked Best Friends. Remember, you Best Friends. See, yeah. I picked Dark Order mostly because my thoughts were uh, they're building them up to be this monster group coming in. They need as much help as they can because their gimmick is really not getting over as it is. But neither of us saw the spot at the end. Oh, neither of us, neither of us expected Orange Cassidy to be a new best friend. Uh, and it was awesome. When it happened, I popped so hard. My wife uh, was sitting next to me, thought I must have been having an aneurysm or something because I was like, ah! Speaking of hard, our sponsor, Blue Jew. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not giving away free sponsorships just yet. They got to pay. That's right. They got to pay. Um, I, you Blue know, Chew, this is going out to you. You guys hear this? Yeah, we're gonna tag you specifically in this. <laughs> we're looking, we're looking for some hard spots from you. Um, hashtag hard spots. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't know if we both predicted Riho. Um, I, that was one that I think we both just kind of had to guess because, frankly, we don't have as much knowledge of them as wrestlers. Uh, Hikaru Shida and Riho, they put on a great match, but it was one of those things where we just didn't know what to predict, right? Yeah, it, it, 
it really was very similar to early um oscar stuff where <laughs> where finally she's in the u.s and everybody everybody who's who's had time to be exposed heavily to this stuff um knew what the rest of us didn't and then got to see some of that early stuff in nxt that oscar had so um i think both of us predicted sean spears to beat cody um which surprised us with cody but once again it it worked in a way that made sense and uh, the next spot that made me pop so hard was seeing the enforcer Arn Anderson come out and deliver a spine buster. I hadn't see, haven't seen that in twenty years, man. And geriatric and it, match, Arn oh. Anderson versus Tully Blanchard. Oh, I yeah, I just I don't think Arn Anderson. I'm surprised he was even able to do a spine buster. Uh, still, just because of all those back problems he'd had, but. But it's still of Goldberg versus Undertaker, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we both, like we said, predicted Lucha Bros. I think uh, and that was a, a hell of a match. But like you said, it was it was a spot fest. It it didn't have the psychology that the other matches had. There's a lot of oh. people arguing back and forth. Uh, Dave Meltzer on it uh, about whether or not that should have been the main event, or makes a whole stink about how he thinks it should have been the main event. Uh, instead of the spot stuff, though, he likes yeah, he does. Well, and and I I get it. I, the argument that he uh, posits is that any match following this was definitely going to feel like a letdown compared to this, and and I get it. Um, well, it's only because two what two matches followed that. Uh, nope, just one, just the main event, just well, the world champion. It's going to feel like a, a, a letdown because. It was. I mean, yeah. and so m- my argument is what I would have probably done is uh, chose one of the other uh, matches like uh, Dark Order versus Best Friends and put it after. Oh, I think, I, think if you th- I think if you throw the uh, Cracker Barrel match in between those two, possibly you, you gain a ton of hype and then you get a so you get spot fest you get what the hell just happened fest um, and then you get um, you get the championship and the what the hell just happened does not let you it, it takes you down gently to how mm-hmm. I hurt watching this well um, and that's why I think the the tag match works better to me for for a standpoint the all tag matches start out relatively slow people feeling each other out and all this stuff and then they build up and eventually they've got some bigger spots and then having the orange cassidy appearance has a chance to wake people up again orange cassidy ah, and then you go to the main event and everyone's all woken up a guy who whose character gets more pop based on the character it's been a long time man i mean here's i mean you think about that level of pop. The last time I saw that level of pop in WWE was returning Triple H and stuff like that. But it wasn't. It wasn't because of the character. It's because the person's coming back or something like you know. Um, yeah, you just you don't get that level of pop. But maybe the Fiend showing up, possibly. And then of course we moved to the main event uh, and. I know I picked Hangman to win. 
So um, I. I see why they have Chris Jericho win. I get it. They want to have the most recognizable face in uh, their organization as the face of the company to start off so that lapsed fans, people who haven't watched in a few years, see, oh my goodness, Chris Jericho? That's awesome. I get it, right? My argument is... Because they were going to have... Originally, it was supposed to be Pac versus Hangman, right? uh, Well... To be perfectly honest, we don't know for certain it was going to be... Because Pac versus Hangman was supposed to happen at Double or Nothing, and then Pac had to pull out and... There's a whole lot of speculation and rumor and innuendo surrounding why he had to pull out, but it doesn't really matter. He had to pull out. Um, hashtag not sponsored. Um, uh, but but my argument is simply this: if you're trying to portray this as the alternative, as the up and comer, as not your grandmother's, not your grandfather's wrestling league. You should put the title on your up and coming hoss. You should should run with that. But they went with the forty eight year old or fifty year old or yeah, I yeah forty eight ish something like that. Well, and I love Jericho. Andy Dadson on that one. Yeah, I love Chris Jericho. I want to preface that. Love Chris Jericho. Loved I'm him. Not a huge fan of the Judas elbow though. Eh, I get why they have it for a couple reasons. A, he's getting older, and so uh, some of his other moves are a lot harder on his body than it is. B, they wanted him to have one of those, and he's even talked about it on his podcast, wanted him to have one of those out-of-nowhere moves that... Well, and that, we talked about C, that, that we kind of discovered was the third aspect to it is it's a move that hasn't been kicked out of any time before. Mm-hmm. Um, hasn't been reversed. Hasn't been whether whether it was the walls or the lion tamer. Yes, I know there's a knee involved, or the whatever, um, or or the lion salt or anything else he's done. Uh, the code breaker. All of those have had a kick out from somewhere else in the past. Um, and that definitely so plays in. Judas Elbow does give him a true quote unquote finisher. Yeah. Um, something with the same panache as the one winged angle angel. Yeah. Something with And like um, I said, it's all about him being able to hit it out of nowhere, which gives credibility to the concept that this grizzled older veteran can still beat these younger guys because all he has to do is hit that one move. Side note, the other day, um, uh, my son and I, I'm not going to say his name because we're on a podcast, uh, my son and I were um, shopping at JCPenney, hashtag still not sponsored, Um, and um, I realized when I was goofing off with him, because you know I like to roughhouse with him, um, that there's a finisher that hasn't been invented yet. And so I want to make a suggestion to any wrestlers that listen to this, especially agile ones. I would love to see a ripcord super kick. Uh, that would be absolutely awesome. Yeah. And, I don't know and, if anyone's done I bring it up because the acid rainmaker, I believe there's a ton of ripcord lariat out there. <laughs> a, a ripcord super kick would be, just wicked awesome and 
Um, it just makes sense. I mean, you, if you have two arm lengths from somebody, you can get your chin up and pull them in. Yeah. Your foot the, closest, the closest I've seen is Kenny Omega sometimes does a ripcord V-trigger. Um, yeah. I think other people have done it, but that's still, like you said, that's not a super kick. So, yeah, so ripcord super kick. And it, it would have to be with, with a shorter guy. Yeah. But, but I think just as a quick comparison. Sweet move. As a quick comparison, I've also got the Raw and SmackDown results. And I know we're talking a pay-per-view versus a weekly show, but okay. it does kind of show how surprising and unexpected so much of the stuff on uh, AEW's All Out was. So Raw opened with a contract signing. What happens at every contract signing on WWE? I can't fathom that there would be a fight between the two of them. Oh, it's even more. There was a fight between them and AJ Styles and the rest of the OC. Everyone brawled because that's what happened. Contract signing. Put on my shocked face. Oh, and then what did that do? Raymond, great job, buddy. You're so innovative. Yeah. And what did that do? Raymond, but come on. It led to a, a tag match between the OC and Rollins and Strowman. We've never seen that happen before. No, no, that that ended with a disqualification. Yeah, ended with a disqualification because the people who are going against the tag champions at the upcoming pay per view intervened, and so then they had a match versus. I I love them, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, but they're jobbers right now. They've been consigned to that now, and it sucks for them. But so they got fed to the the. Rude Ziggler. I don't even know what they're called. And then you had Lacey Evans come out and beat up Natalia. Uh, And I tried my hardest not to check out, but I was yawning hard during it. That one's that one's rough. (laughs) She's Lacey Evans. um, Been pushed a lot uh, inappropriately. She's inappropriately pushed. She's early. She's got a lot of potential, but she needed a couple more years in developmental before. She, she certainly didn't need her first feud to be for the world championship. She, oh, yeah. she also needed to work her way up, come out and beat up on some of the lower card people. Beat up on Naomi. I don't mean to call her out as lower card, but she's another one of the I fall asleep again. And I on the side note with Dana Brooke, probably ready for a little bit of a low mid card push like maybe maybe she beats some people by surprise maybe she has a little bit of one recently so and then we had becky lynch and sasha banks cut promos on each other what people talking heads talked and now there's going to be a match at clash of champions and then stone cold steve austin send out a tweet saying that he's going to moderate the contract signing next week to make sure that no shenanigans happen and he basically called michael cole a tool in the tweet which was actually pretty funny, so I give them props for that. Um, Centers for everybody. Yeah. And then you had King of the Ring Tournament, Baron Corbin defeated Cedric Alexander, um, which was the first of my missed predictions in the King of the Ring Tournament. Um, but as soon as Baron Corbin won the first round match, I kind of knew it was going to happen. So, uh, And then the Viking Raiders beat up on jobbers. Those matches, though. What was that? Really interesting later on what happens on the second of those. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, so then we had the Viking Raiders beat up on some jobbers. Uh, these jobbers talked smack, if I'm remembering correctly, which was interesting. <laughs> uh, then you had the King of the Rings second uh, tournament match, Samojo versus Ricochet, which ended in a schmoz screwy finish, which what did we always make fun of WCW doing in the, in the end days of WCW? Oh, screwy finishes. And so eventually they announced that that's going to be a triple threat next year, next week. Then Firefly Funhouse, which was legitimately entertaining. And then Miz versus Cesaro, which was, yeah. I mean, to. to Cesaro maybe needs a little help getting back on track. Well, they had him go over to NXT UK for the Cardiff uh, thing, and that that seemed to help uh, it's there. Still a, it's still not a main roster boot. I, I, mean, I suspicion you're going to see Cesaro go back to NXT once NXT goes on USA. Okay. Uh, solid NXT champion, mm-hmm. which is card. Um, you know, this is a guy who could carry who could carry your intercontinental title with pride for quite some time and heal it up pretty well. And then the main event was the women's championship, uh, women's champion Becky Lynch and SmackDown women's championship Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, the tag champions. And anytime they put uh, champions versus the tag champions together, you pretty much know there's going to be at least one shenanigan happen and sure enough uh sasha banks came out and attacked becky lynch and then bailey stopped her and grabbed the chair and oh shock of shocks bailey turned and now she beat up uh becky lynch and and so you know just looking at that eh, not a whole lot of real surprises in that and we go to smackdown we have a recap of becky or bailey turning heel we have the second or the first to the quarterfinals match, Elias defeating Ali, which is another one I missed. But once that happened, I knew my other prediction was going to go the other way because I uh, predicted uh, Andrade to advance and uh, Chad Gable beat him because they are very strictly uh, so far sticking to hail, heel face in each of the rounds. And so when the reason that they had Joe the, uh, on Raw, and uh, was it because they have this tweener Joe thing going on right now? Possibly. They're they, they're not really committing to him being badass Joe anymore. So who knows? Well, um, and the thing is that also allows you to have a court if your predictions are right. She's going to the final. That allows you to have a Corbin versus Joe long term feud. Mm-hmm. If my prediction's right, then it allows you to have a Joe versus Ricochet long-term feud. Yeah, and, and in the end, I think it kind of goes either way. I I kind of I think uh, that the reason uh, they turned that into a triple threat is so someone can eat a pin and. Um, and the other person be able to continue to argue for weeks that he should have been in the King of the Ring final because, you know, I never got pinned. It's just the whole thing, right? Uh, then, whether, whether it's Corbin 
or one of the other two that eat the pin. Um, and I say it that way because it has to be that way uh, in terms of, of a long-term argument. You can't have one of the two beat each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you couldn't have Corbin say I got screwed out of it. I never lost. Yeah. At least didn't win. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Then you had Fire and Desire defeated Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, the tag champions. And as soon as they announced this match, I knew, okay, uh, Fire and Desire are going to get a win. So it's going to set up. They're going to go after the tag champions at Clash of Champions because that's the only way they know how to set up uh, tag team championship matches have them lose in a non-title match so that then the other people say we beat you in a non-title match so now we should get a real match at the pay-per-view so here's a here's a question for you and correct me if i'm wrong wasn't clash of champions once upon a time required to be if you were going to challenge for a title you had to have had a title in the past that time I don't specifically remember that. I do remember Clash of Champions didn't used to be a pay-per-view. It used to be a Thursday night special that uh, WCW would put on for free uh, to try to drum up popularity. Um, Randy Orton cut a promo on Kofi Kingston, same old, same old. King of the Ring tournament, Chad Gable defeated Andrade, which I knew was going to happen as soon as Elias won. Uh, Alistair Black actually came out and fought someone. That was a surprise. Go backwards. Same old sample on Randy Orton and Kofi. Yeah. It's not same. I mean, it is, but it's it's still an okay feud. No, it's an okay feud. My my point is it was just predictable. Like when Randy Orton came out, he, he even told us what was gonna happen. He said, Kofi's stupid because I'm gonna set a trap for him. And just like last week, and he fell for it and he came out. And then what did Randy Orton do? He called Kofi out, and it turned out it was a trap, and the revival beat him up, and then uh, Randy Orton beat him up some more and hit the RKO. And so it's same it's the same thing they did last week. It's all it's it's you're, like you're comparing this with with AEW and the surprising aspect. Yeah, yeah, AEW that's what I'm really talking. They haven't been around for 40 years. True, but my point still is even even for this, it was just like I watched it and it was like it was like uh, 22 Jump Street. Do the same stuff you did last time, and that's all they did. They didn't do anything new with the feud. They didn't add anything new to the feud. They just said, look. Kofi Kingston's still stupid. Randy Orton's still super smart. Ooh. Um, anyways. Okay. Uh, sure. I'll give it to you. Nakamura defeated a jobber that Sami Zayn called The Miz. Great. Um, there was a bunch of 24-7 championship crap that happened, which I don't think really anyone cared about. Um, I really like your idea with Aleister Black on that. Hmm. How he should black masking people as the twenty. Yeah, that's what I think he should do. I think Alistair Black should come out, win the twenty four seven championship, and then everyone who comes, there's no surprise roll ups. They come at him, and he just black masses them, and they're out. And then he walks away, and he holds on to it for a couple months to see them. I don't know. See the the retaining champion pin the other person. Yeah. And like and in the end, he, could be he holds a, on to it for a few months. A week, if 
you can't challenge for the 24-7 championship for a week if you get beat by the 24-7 champion. Possibly. But even more, just you set it up where eventually there's a bunch of people who are like, I don't even want to challenge for the 24-7. I'm tired of getting my ass black masked. You know? <laughs> Uh, and then someone big comes along, someone like a Drew McIntyre or or a John Cena or someone comes along and finally I'm tired of not holding a title. <laughs> yeah. And finally says, you know what I'm going to do? And then they have an actual competitive match in the ring that goes back and forth before someone wins. Right. And not <laughs> outside the mat, outside the ring. Wait. Oh. And not a surprise roll up because I'm the, that's the biggest problem I have with the 24 seven championship is that every single pin is a surprise roll up. It's turned the surprise roll up into the most devastating move in professional wrestling. It already was. Well, at least to Spojo, it already was. Uh, true. True. Um, and then we ended with Daniel Bryan coming out to the ring saying he's not a liar. And Eric Rowan came out and attacked Roman Reigns and said, I did it. And then, uh, then he eventually attacked Daniel Bryan and and chaos and whatever and like it wasn't not surprising but it also wasn't surprising like we kind of saw the way this was going I still think it's going to turn out that Daniel Bryan was a part of it the whole time uh, the whole thing is just such a an overdone repeated storyline it's a, well, where they messed up is is they they had him attacked twice and then that was it right if they would have uh planning here I, I would agree with you on that yeah if they would have uh drawn it out where he gets attacked every week for a couple months you know what i mean once a month for six months yeah like, and he just doesn't know who's doing it. And he starts to maybe get a little paranoid every time he goes. It could have been a good, but he got attacked twice. And then he went on a rampage and beat up Buddy Murphy, which made Buddy Murphy look kind of like a bitch. Um, and then the match. And then they had the match and he looked awesome. So anyways. Not to mention uh, Buddy Murphy's done something that most wrestling fans envy. Yeah. He did not need Bluetooth. He did not need Bluetooth. He did not. Hashtag not sponsored. Um, anyways, so that's kind of my, my thing there. Just that AEW was good because it was surprising. And not that I didn't expect it to be good, but I did not expect it to be so surprising this time. Um, and then our final crime for right now uh, was actually submitted by a Twitter follower at Jodo Cow. Uh, this was a week or so ago. He actually submitted a crime. Uh, Kevin Owens charged with mugging after he beat the tar out of Elias, leading to Elias losing the 24-7 championship. So uh, thanks to Shane Williams at Jodo Cow on Twitter uh, for submitting that. Um, great call. Great catch. Uh, we'll leave it up to the jury as whether or not he is guilty on that count. Um, and then I guess one final crime on a way more serious note, don't want to bring this down uh, too much of a bummer, but, uh, a special charge of multiple counts of career murder against spinal injury. Uh, we've seen spinal injury take out many, many, um, uh, wrestler over the years. Um, Art Anderson being one of them, um, uh, you know, Sting, uh, edge a lot of people. His first move in 
11 years. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and reportedly, she has not commented on it at all, but Kylie Ray, uh, who was an up-and-comer in AEW, and I was super excited to see her uh, continue, apparently has been battling something uh, spinal-related. That's just what the news has reported. If it turns out to be wrong, I'll retract. Uh, but I want to wish her the absolute best. I hope whatever she's dealing with uh, goes well and clears up um, you know, and, and she can continue on in whatever career, whether it's professional wrestling or whether she can, uh, uh, transfer to some other field in the wrestling industry or, or even just on Twitter, I'd love to see her back. Um, so all of our best wishes out to her. Uh, there was also, a, a unconfirmed reports that, uh, Casey Catanzaro, NXT up and comer was battling a back injury as well. Once again, Unconfirmed, but it sucks. And injuries come way too often in professional wrestling. So we wish all the best to anyone suffering those. And so if you uh, have any knowledge about the whereabouts of spinal injury, uh, let us know. Uh, he is definitely on the WBU most wanted list. Absolutely. Side um, yeah. You brought up Kylie Ray. Um, back to our third crime that we talked about. Um, if you don't take things too seriously, there is a match that everybody should see. Uh, You're talking the freshly squeezed one versus Kylie Ray? Yes, it is. Uh, I can I can truthfully say I knew nothing about Orange Cassidy before the uh, All In Battle Royal or All Out Battle. Was it at All Out? Uh, double or nothing. Double battle Royal. Double yes. or nothing Battle Royal. Uh, Buy in. That's what it was called. Um, fell so in love with him that I started looking him up online. I think you did the same. Uh, mad props to Officer Smarks on um, throwing, throwing a little uh, throwing a bone to uh, to me to look up Kylie Ray versus the freshly squeezed one. What an amazing match. Um, Mr. Cornette, if you know, if you can take life that seriously that you can't enjoy the entertainment that is that match, uh, I feel sorry. Yeah, because that is a good. Excuse me, that hits him on multiple counts. That hits him on intergender wrestling and, uh, and you know, silly gimmick wrestling. Kind of were a little bit of a silly gimmick that match. Yep. Um, we're, since we're since we took as long as we did, I I had plans to have us uh, get a visit from the FBI, the Fantasy Booking Institute, um, uh, but we're gonna put that off till the next episode, uh, just because we've taken up enough time today. Uh, so so Maybe in the end, segment. Maybe we can we can record that later. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, uh, the visit from the FBI is not FBI uh, agent Russo pr- pitching something to us because, bro, he is tough. Yeah, he's actually a fraudulent member of the FBI. I, I've never actually checked his credentials, but uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you can see some of his uh, his theories, his his ideas for it. So, but so. That's all we have for today. Uh, both of us would like to thank 
everyone for tuning in to the inaugural episode of Raw and Order WBU. We special thanks to Anchor.fm. Yes, we hope that you brought a bit of fun to your day, and we hope you'll be back in the future as we document all the crimes, I'm using the air quotes, crimes in professional wrestling. Uh, Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, um, uh, Spotify, wherever, Google Podcasts, subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Raw and Order WBU. You can follow DA Fabe at DA I'm K Fabe, all is one word. So it looks like Dame K Fabe. Um, <laughs> uh, tweet your verdicts at us using the hashtags WBU guilty or WB not guilty. Uh, and to be honest, there's way too much wrestling for us to catch all the crimes. So we need your help as much as we can get it. So if you want to report your own crime, use the hashtag wrestling crimes. Uh, and if we see it and we like it, we may read it on air. Or you can even go to anchor.fm slash raw and order WBU. All is one word. Oh, I thought it was spaces. Nope. All is one word. Um, you can search on anchor.fm for it, or you can just go to anchor.fm slash raw and order WBU. Uh, and when you're on there, you can favorite us there. You can send us a voice message with your crime there. And if we like it, we will actually play your message on the air. So then you can... like it and it's still good. Yeah, maybe if we think it's funny, we think you have a funny voice. I don't know. We'll put it on. So, uh, but so there's a lot of things you can also support us on anchor.fm uh, anchor.fm uh, also lists all the different platforms that we're on. So if you don't see us on your favorite platform, go there and maybe, you know, maybe it's just hard for you to find there and it'll lead you to it. But uh, once again, though, we'd love to thank anchor.fm. They have made this uh, creating a podcast a breeze. They helped us with distribution. They helped us with everything. Um, and for a bunch of newbies like us to do it, uh, as easy as it, it's wonderful. So we thank them so much. Um, but once again, that's all for today. Uh, thanks again, everyone for listening. The WBU is now off duty for now. For now. Ding, ding. Ding, ding.